She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. Kolchek the Night Stalker. Episode 10. The Energy Eater. In this episode, a newly built hospital is accumulating structural damage and electricity-related deaths, and both may be related to where it was built. Land occupied for millennia by an ancient deity that feeds on energy. Ooh, that sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. Why would you build the building there? Not a good idea. Not a good place for it. This episode was written by Rudolph Bochert and Arthur Rowe, and it was directed by Alex Grasshoff. Its original air date was Friday, December 13th, 1974 at 10 p.m. Maybe they didn't know it was already there. Yeah, I'm going to guess they didn't know there was like an ancient energy eating deity before they built the hospital. You should do surveys for that. We'll find out. We'll find out if they knew or not. So we do the regular Kolchak opening, you know, Kolchak the Night Stalker, starring Darren McGavin, Simon Oakland, and the theme, (laughs) and then this is where we would normally get a teaser. And then we'd get the opening with the title and the guest star and stuff. We actually jump right to the standard opening where we get the title and everything. So we see the coastline and we get the title of the episode, the energy eater, and we get some nice aerial shots with some clouds coming across. And then we get some more shots of the city and we pull back and we see the whole cityscape. So we're getting a lot of new footage here. And then we get the guest stars and we get view of all the skyscrapers And then we cut to some of the bridges and we pull back and get more of the buildings and we pan across and see all the skyscrapers of the city. And like, you're kind of thinking like, wow, we are spent like over a minute looking at all the architecture of the city while we get the credits. And this seems like a really long time, but it's going to make sense sort of because we're going to find out that Kolchak is actually going to be talking about the city's architecture. So it's been like a minute and like 15 seconds and we finally get to see Kolchak and he's in a hospital bed. And he's wearing a hospital gown and he's writing on a legal pad instead of talking to his normal recorder. And he says, the city of Chicago sparkles with monuments to man's achievement, his aspirations, his quest for the truth, his respect for the law. Now a different sort of monument. There was a theory that dying institutions erect their own mausoleums before they die. This particular monument was to be a hospital and research center dedicated to extending the life of man, improving the quality of that life. It succeeded instead in introducing a new horror, a new way of death, a mystery. So we see this newly built hospital. It's a lakefront hospital. And it turns out that Kolchak has been assigned to cover its dedication. So he's driving to it in his Mustang. And we also learned that some high steel workers fell from the top floor where they were building the hospital. Kolchak calls them Indian workers. And honestly, at first, I wasn't sure if he was talking about Native Americans or actual Indians. Yeah, I was picturing actual (laughs) Indians. So, yeah, yeah, different. But we'll find out he's actually talking about Native Americans. So So he checks in and gets his little name badge. And he's like, hey, is anybody important here today? And the woman at the desk is like, nope, just a bunch of reporters. It's like, (laughs) ha, ha, ha. So then he walks around the lobby and he meets another young woman there. Uh, They've all got these little stylish uniforms. Dressed a lot like Louise in the night strangler with the big poofy flop hat and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But she's got the press packet and Kolchak flirts with her a little bit. And then there's an announcement that the dedication ceremony is going to be starting. Yeah. 
So this episode had a lot of great humor and there were a couple times I laughed out loud and that just reporters bit was so funny. Like it definitely made me laugh. So yeah, there's Kolchak usually has some pretty good humor. It usually does. This episode I noticed like I was actually laughing out loud a lot. A lot of times I'm like, ah, that's funny. And then this time I was actually like laughing. So it was good. Good job. So there's an MC dude who we never get his name. And honestly, he doesn't really do much. He doesn't show up much later in the episode anyway. But his job here is to introduce Dr. Ralph Carey, the medical director, and Walter Green, the man who's responsible for building the hospital. And it's pretty dry announcement stuff. So we cut to this large wall of breakers. Breaker panel 15. Danger. High voltage. And there's a workman and he's there and he's flipping some breaker switches. And then he finishes and he turns around. And then all of a sudden the building starts shaking and the walls start cracking. So he turns around and apparently he thinks the breakers are related to the walls cracking because he starts flipping breakers again. And then the wall of breakers just explodes and sparks everywhere. And he flies back and he caught on fire. And then we cut back to the main floor and the lights are all flickering and they go out. And everyone's just kind of looking around. And then we cut to commercial which answers the question I'd had about whether there was a commercial after the teaser. And apparently there is, because this is exactly when the teaser would end and then we would get the opening. So apparently there's a commercial at the five minute mark. Yeah. Cool. And then we come back and the announcer guy's like, oh, oh, it's it's nothing, nothing at all. Uh, But since time is growing short, we're going to go ahead and start the tour. Um, So if you'll just head over to this side area, we'll go ahead and begin. And, you know, totally not suspicious at all. So Kolchak hangs back a little from the main crowd. And then he sees this nurse walk over and she speaks to Walter Green kind of quietly. And then he says something to the MC guy. And then the nurse goes back through a door that says hospital personnel only. And they announce since they're short on time, they're not going to do a tour of the boring lower floors because no one needs to see those. We're just going to start right here and work our way up, which again, not suspicious at all. No, sir. So the tour starts and Kolchak, instead of following the tour, ducks through the hospital personnel only door and he follows the nurse and he follows her through the hallway and then he sees her get on an elevator. So he like gets on the elevator and then he starts to chatter up. And her name is Nurse Janice Eisen. And Kolchak introduces himself. And she's like, (laughs) first he's like, I'm a reporter. I'm here for the tour. She's like, well, why aren't you with the tour then? And he's just like, he starts asking her all these questions. And she's like, you want an interview? You're going to have to get that cleared with the press department. Because that's not my thing. And they head to lower level three, which is LL3 on the elevator. And that's the very bottom level of the hospital. And the elevator kind of jumps a bit. And Nurse Eisen actually says that that's been happening a lot. And she's hoping it's one of the things that they'll fix. She's reported it. And then the doors open and Kolchak notes that it's really hot on LL3, which is weird for a basement, especially a hospital basement, because that's usually where the morgue is. And he's like, we should check the air conditioning. And he goes over to the vent and he puts his hand over it. And the vent is spewing out cold air. So he's not sure Hmm. why it's so hot. So he tries to get more information from Nurse Eisen, but she's like, I got to go to work. And so she goes into the pathology lab and leaves him outside in the hall. So he kind of roams around to see what's going on. And we see a cobalt room, which has radioactive materials for the radiology department. And it's got all these warning signs about how dangerous it is. So Kolchak is kind of sweaty and it's obviously really hot there, but he's still like wandering around looking to see what's going on in the building. And then he gets to the breaker panel 15 area. And there's a man there with a broom 
and we see the burned out wall of breakers and the guy's just sweeping right in front of it. And you can see the breakers are all like scorched and burned. And Kolchak asks if that's what caused the power outage. And the guy is like, I don't know. And then Kolchak sees the wall covered in cracks. And he's like, what is all this? And the guy's like, oh, that's just settling cracks. That happens in new buildings. So Kolchak <laughs> is like, well, how do you know that? And he's like, my foreman told me. So Kolchak's like, well, where's your foreman? And he's like, I don't know. And then Kolchak asks for the foreman's name. And he says, I don't know. And then Kolchak asks for his name. And then, of course, they both simultaneously say, I don't know. So <laughs> Kolchak's like, yeah, thanks for all the help. And just like walks away. Yeah, that guy's not going to help him. Yeah, so he's walking down the hallway and like the walls are all cracked. And then he goes down a corner and turns around. And that hallway, the walls are not all busted up. And we see the guy behind him. He's like kind of like sort of sweeping, but he's kind of like inching around the corner to keep an eye on Kolchak. So then all of a sudden Kolchak is like in this little alcove area with a door but it's like a little off hallway and then the building starts shaking and the walls start cracking and there's crumbling stuff from the ceilings and it's gonna look like there's a huge earthquake or something so Kolchak is like nope and he like just takes off running and he runs past the dude with the broom who's just like standing in the middle of the hallway like just holding his broom even though the building looks like it's about to fall down mm -hmm. so yeah <laughs> yeah, that was really funny when the, the guy who's sweeping just kind of like inches over to see what Kolchak's <laughs> doing. He's yeah, just like, kind of mm. like, oh, I'm still watching you. Yeah. It's pretty funny. So then it's nighttime at the INS offices and Kolchak's on the phone and he's talking to someone and he's trying to find out more information about the building of the hospital, like how it was built, permits, information, funding. And it seems like the hospital was funded in normal ways. There weren't any weird loans or improper use of funds or anything strange. So basically the financing seems on the straight and narrow. So he hangs up and Vincenzo walks up and he asks Carl how he came up with the angle for his article on the hospital. And Carl's like, oh, you know, research, imagination. And while he's saying that, he's looking at Emily Cowles, who's sitting there doing her crossword on the, the crossword chalkboard. And Updike kind of turns around and gives them a stink eye, too. And Vincenzo's like... Well, at some angle, all right, two pages condemning the lack of geriatric care at the hospital. And Miss Emily perks up. And so it's obviously like Kolchak had Miss Emily write his article for him because he's busy trying to figure out what's going on with all the cracks. So he's handed yeah. off this article. So he asks Kolchak what he promised her this time. And he's like, orthopedic glitter boots. And Kolchak gets defensive and is like, no, I totally wrote the article. And he talks about how the elderly are a growing proportion of our citizenry and they have rights and needs and they're organized. And Vincenzo's like, oh, yeah, what are they going to call it? Wrinkle power? And Kolchak's like, that's disgusting. And Miss Emily jumps up and she's like, they call it gray power. And she gives a little bit of a speech and then she apologizes about how she may have come on a little strong and she'll go ahead and try and soften the article up. She's just tired of seeing the elderly glossed over in society. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I love the image of like feisty Miss Emily with like at a, at a protest with like these huge glitter boots. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> and I love the fact that like Kolchak, instead of just writing whatever article, you bang out 800 words about the dedication ceremony. Who cares? It doesn't have to be that, you know, whatever. Then do your research. But no, he has to like hand it off to Miss Emily and he probably pays her to do it. And it's like, no wonder you're not making money at this job, Kolchak, and you're always broke because, yeah. come on, buddy. Yeah, so Miss Emily takes it and she's like, oh, I'll try and, you know, soften it up and get it a little better. And he's like, Vincenzo's like, well, that's not the point. I'm the one who assigns the stories around here. So then he goes over to Kolchak and he's like, so what are you doing then, Kolchak? Because you're not writing the article you're supposed to be writing. And Kolchak's desk is covered in all these blueprints. 
And Tony's like, what is all this? And Kolchak's like, it's the blueprints for the hospital. He's like, blueprints from the hospital? Where'd you get them? And Kolchak's like, I stole them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I stole them. So Vincenzo starts, like, you stole the hospital? What are you doing? But then Ron lets Vincenzo know that he has a phone call. It's very urgent. So Vincenzo has to go into his office, take the phone call. So after Tony leaves, Carl grabs his phone and he calls one of his contacts, Don Kibbe who is an architectural engineer who had been charged with some wrongdoing at some point. And Kolchak wrote an investigative story that helped to clear him. So Kolchak's kind of calling in a favor. Mm -hmm. So he's going to go see Don Kibbe and then he hangs up and he's starting to get some of his stuff ready. And then Tony comes back to Carl's desk and it turns out there was a shooting at a restaurant and he wants Carl to go cover it. And it sounds like there's a turf war going on with the mob in the city. But apparently that's something that's been happening kind of regularly because Kolchak is like, no sense even bothering to cover it. Because the last one of these you had me cover of the 30 people in the restaurant, 20 of them claimed they were in the bathroom and the rest said they didn't hear a single shot. And then he's like, plus you're always like, you know, one story at a time, Kolchak, one story at a time. But fine, if you want me to go do it, I'll do it. You know, even though this is going to happen to it. I mean, you would know that if you ever covered one of these stories. Mm-hmm. And then Vincenzo's like, what do you mean if I've ever covered one? How do you think I got behind that desk? And Vincenzo tells us he was the top crime reporter in that town back when it was dangerous to be one. And mm-hmm. Kolchak's like, oh, yeah, but that was a long time ago. And you probably don't remember how to do that kind of reporting, especially today. But OK, I'll go do it. And then, of course, like, you know, he's playing Vincenzo like a violin. And so Vincenzo's like, no, I'll prove to you I can do it. I'll handle the story myself. <laughs> yeah. So we get more of the duck season, rabbit season action going on. Right. The yeah. Two of them. Yeah. I love it. I think it's really funny. And so then Miss Emily congratulates Vincenzo because she likes to see elderly people with spunk, <laughs> which Vincenzo's obviously just like. Oh, like, ouch. Because, you know, he obviously doesn't think it was as old. So as he heads out, Vincenzo says he wants the hospital dedication story on his desk when he gets back. And Kolchak's like, yes, sir. So Vincenzo leaves and Kolchak grabs the blueprints and his gear. And as he's getting ready to head out, Miss Emily asks him what he thinks is going to happen at the hospital. And Kolchak's like, I think it's going to fall down. Yeah. And she's like, ooh. So, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, that good. Yeah. So then Kolchak and Kibby, they walk into the hospital and Kolchak pulls a stethoscope out of his pocket and puts it around his neck. And he apparently had the stethoscope stashed and he pretends to be a doctor. And as they walk up to the security guard, he's just casually like talking medical jargon to Kibby. And then he stops and kind of looks at the security guard and he's like, hey, are you feeling all right? You look a little tired. So he kind of goes over and gives the security guard a little check. And he's like, oh, okay, you look pretty good. Make sure you take care of yourself though. You're doing a great job here, great job. And then he more medical jargon with Kibby and they just stroll off and go through the employee personnel door. And so pretending to be a doctor and just went mm-hmm. right through security. So they head down to low level three and Carl's going to show them how the elevator jumps. But then of course it doesn't do it that time. So they enter the basement and it's definitely still hot though. So Kibby goes over and he checks the air and it feels cold. And he's like, this should be the coldest floor in the building. Why isn't it? And Colchuk's like, you tell me. And he's like, and why are they still using all these work lights? Because they have like these lights on stands everywhere. Because like the power is not functioning in the building. So like that floor is just all work lights. And Carl's like, I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. You're the one that's expert. That's why I brought you here. So they head over to the cracks in the wall. And they've kind of been spackled over. But Kibby checks them. And he says they don't look like settling cracks. He says it looks like structural stress. But it's kind of hard to tell like what kind. Because he doesn't know how far it goes down. 
So he's like, if that goes down in the foundation, then we could have some problems. So then Carl shows him some more cracks and Kibby says that there's definitely a big problem and it's not just in this section of the building. So Kolchak's like, well, what do we need to do? And so he says, well, first you gotta get a sample of the concrete and have it tested. And Carl's like, well, what if the concrete's fine? And Kibby says, well, then you need to drill a hole in the wall, check the quality of the steel. And if it's poor quality or if there's not enough steel. And then Kolchak's, all right, but what if the steel's fine? So Kibby's like, well, then you gotta check to see if the geologist goofed, if the area's not stable. And then if that's not the case, you need to check for geothermal instability. And he's like, and with this heat, that's a real possibility. So it could be like some some venting or something going on. Mm-hmm. So then Kolchak asks Kibby if he'll go on the record with any of that information. And he's like, no, because I've been wrongly accused of stuff and I'm not going to accuse someone else of doing things improperly. He says, so far, they only have enough to warrant more investigation. They don't have enough to make accusations. And then as they're talking behind them, one of the work like starts shaking and it starts glowing like super bright like someone's just cranked up the dimmer on it and it gets brighter and brighter and brighter and kibby's like what's going on and then the light explodes and they're like whoa and they run and as they run down the hallway just light after light is all boom 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 just exploding behind them kibby jumps in the elevator he hits the button and the doors close and kolchek is like yeah and kolchek is left in the basement <laughs> all by himself and then it's a commercial yeah yep kibby ditched him yeah, not nice, not nice. So it's still nighttime, and we're at the hospital, and Nurse Eisen is being paged to the pathology lab. So we're still on LL3, and she comes down the elevator and enters the pathology lab, and Kolchek is there going through books. And it turns out he had her paged. And Kolchek's like, I thought you might care enough about what's going on here to help me out. And she's like, everything is fine. And he's like, okay, well, let's see. There's the elevator. There's the heat. There's all the plaster being knocked off the walls. And also people are dying. And Nurse Eisen's like, of course people are dying. This is a hospital. And he's like, well, I think you need to get an engineer down here before more people start dying. And then he's getting ready to leave. And she's like, I think it's going to take more than an engineer. And she says, there's no explanation for what's been going on at the hospital. A patient in a heart and lung machine was horribly killed. And then she says, this is an earlier case. Would you like to see it for yourself? And so there's like a body in the pathology room and she pulls back the sheet and she's like, this morning, this is one of the staff electricians. And he was obviously the one we saw flipping breakers. Mm -hmm. Barbecued. And first they thought he was electrocuted, but then they started doing the autopsy and she doesn't say what they found, but she does say that all the people who have died have had some connection with electronically operated equipment. Hmm. Hmm. Very weird. Very weird. Yeah. So it's the next day and there we see a receptionist and she's, there's three people in front of her and they're kind of in line and she's telling them it's like two guys and then Kolchak's in the back and she's telling them that she's not going to say it again. Dr. Carey is not seeing any reporters today. So the first guy walks away because obviously he was a reporter. And the next guy walks up and he hands the receptionist his card and he's Dr. Hartfield. And she says, oh, you can go right in, Dr. Hartfield. And so Kolchak like jumps, like jogs around and opens the door for Dr. Hartfield and then just follows him into the room. (laughs) He's sly. So inside there's a medical review committee going on. And they're discussing a tar-like substance that was all that was left of one of the victim's blood. And so we're guessing it was probably from the electrician's autopsy that Nurse Eisen mentioned. It's on a microscope slide. 
And so, of course, Kolchak can't help but ask questions. So he's like, so what are the components of that substance? And Dr. Carey comes and Dr. Carey says, well, come over and see for yourself. And so they walk around over to a microscope and he puts the slide on it. And Kolchak looks in and he's like, hmm, hmm. And then he looks up and Dr. Carey is like, puts a slide in because it hadn't actually been in the microscope yet. And so Kolchak's like, oh, <laughs> and then he looks again. He's like, that's incredible. And he's got like a little accent going on because he's supposed to be like highfalutin doctor. And then he's like, oh, have a look. So he has Dr. Hartfield take a look. And Hartfield is like, amazing. There's virtually no plasma left at all. And Carrie says he's never seen such a concentration of blood cells. And Kolchak's like, hmm, yes, hmm. And they're all like, who are you actually? And he's like, <laughs> oh, I'm Dr. Kolchak. And so they shake, he shakes hands. They're like, oh, hello, Dr. Kolchak. Yes, nice meeting you. Hello, hello, hello. So, and then a detective comes in. He's Detective Webster. He enters the room. So Kolchak is like, Whoop. so he like makes sure that his face isn't visible, make sure he keeps his back to Webster at all times. But then one of the doctors in talking, they're getting ready to go do some, like, I guess, look at the body. And he's like, one of them mentions Dr. Kolchak. And so Webster like perks up and he goes over and he grabs Kolchak and spins him around. Yeah. And... He got caught. Yes, he did. He was doing well for a while. <laughs> he was doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so Webster's dragging Coltech through the hallway, trying to get rid of him. And Coltech's like, just wait a minute. Just like all those pathologists up there, I'm trying to figure out what killed these patients. And he's like, isn't that what you're here for, Webster? And Webster says he's here to check out the irregularities. And that includes Coltech. And then he pushes Coltech out the front door and tells him not to come back or he won't be so nice next time. So then we cut to a construction site and in Kolchak's voiceover, he's telling us that there were no irregularities reported in the construction of Lakeshore Hospital, but Indian high steel workers had left a job after several mysterious deaths. And so Kolchak has gone all the way up to the very top of this building that's under construction because he wants to talk to some of them. And the foreman of the construction site tells him what he can but the Indian high steel workers will only speak to their spokesman, who is also their shaman. And I guess he's like their union steward on the site. So like they're basically not going to talk because they need to make sure that everything's kind of run through him for their own sake, which is fine. And the spokesman's name is Jim Elkhorn. And it turns out he's actually not at the top of the building, but he's down below in a trailer on his lunch break. So Kolchak went all the way to the top of this high rise for nothing. So Kolchak knocks on the door and he doesn't get an answer. So he opens the door of the trailer and we see that Jim Elkhorn is actually on the phone and he's talking with a woman, one of his lady friends, apparently. And so Kolchak just is kind of just like hanging out by the door, waiting for him to get done. And Jim's conversation starts to not go so well. So he has like a wire or something where he's sitting and he pulls the wire and the trailer door just slams shut on Kolchak's face. Yeah. So. And Jim Elkhorn is played by a white guy. So... Yay, another Native American played by a white dude. Yeah, I think he might have some Native blood, but yeah, he's basically like... Oh, no, he's yeah. a white dude, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he might far down, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's how it goes. It's mm. the 70s. I mean, not that that doesn't happen nowadays, so... Yeah, no, it still does. Yeah, so... So Kolchak knocks some more, and then Elkhorn finishes his call, and he opens the door, and Kolchak asks him why he pulled his men off the hospital job. 
And Elkhorn says that it was tribal business and he doesn't discuss tribal business with anyone outside of the tribe, especially reporters. And then Elkhorn's phone rings again and it's another woman. And then Kolchak gets impatient because he doesn't want to sit and listen to another conversation about Jim Elkhorn trying to put the moves on ladies. And so he interrupts him and asks him how those workers died before he pulled his crew off. And Elkhorn says, Machimanedo. Machimanedo killed my men. And then he pulls the wire and the door slams shut. <laughs> and so we get back at the hospital and we get a voiceover from Kolchak about a young woman, Claudia Grenhoff. She's age 22. And she has a condition that apparently allows her to move her right hand just a little bit. And it's not even enough to let her wipe her own forehead in the heat of the hospital. And so we see Claudia and she's sweaty and she's in like this giant motorized bed on like a giant cylinder thing that lets it tilt up and down and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's supposed to look like futuristic because this hospital is like the futuristic hospital yeah. or something. Yeah. It looks kind of like that thing that if you watch The Incredible Hulk and David Bruce Banner is going to get gamma radiation. It's all in like tilt. He's all and he gets up to the gamma machine. It's kind of like that. But yeah. Know. Yeah. So there's a nurse in there and she's checking the vent because it's super hot in there, but apparently the vent's still blowing cold air like it's been everywhere else, but it's still super hot. And so she wipes Claudia's head and Claudia thanks her. And then the nurse leaves. But unfortunately, almost as soon as the nurse leaves, Claudia notices that her bed is kind of smoking. And she's trying to reach the nurse call button with her right hand, but she can barely move her right hand. So she has such limited movement that she can't reach it. And then the bed sparks and there's flames and she's screaming. And then it looks like she convulses and she probably got electrocuted because the nurse and doctor come in, but she's dead. And then we go to commercial. So I don't know. Claudia can barely move her hand. So like, why is the call button like strapped to her hand? Like, come on. Like, why is it just like laying on the bed? Why is it laying on the bed just out of her reach? Like, why would it be in her reach? Yes. Yeah. And she can't apparently move her head around though, because like when she was like when it's sparking, she's looking around. But I guess she can move her head and her neck and then only her right hand. So, yeah. It's mysterious medical science. That's why she's in the fancy bed. So, yes. (laughs) So, Kolchak's at the hospital and he watches this dude go by with a cart full of bedpans, and Kolchak follows him around the corner. And then we see Kolchak come back around the same corner carrying some of those bedpans and he's now wearing a doctor's lab coat. So don't know if he like mugged the dude or if he just like waited for the guy to like wheel his stuff into a room and grabbed an extra lab coat or something. But yeah, whatever. didn't take the cart though. Just grabbed the bedpans and the coat apparently. So. Yeah. So he arrives at the basement like he takes the elevator down and he just like someone gets on the elevator and he just hands him the bedpans and then he takes off his doctor's coat and reaches into a closet and he like hangs up the doctor's coat that's nice yeah you know i don't know why he took it off i think i would still wear it if i were going to be yeah i would have kept it on but yeah yeah for some reason he doesn't so in the basement everyone's like painting and fixing the walls and walter green is down there supervising so of course kolchik just goes right up to him and starts asking about the geothermal problems or bad concrete and he says they need to stop scraping and patching the walls and they need to evacuate the whole hospital and green's like i'll start the evacuation with you and he starts calling for an officer and kolchik is like oh yeah you can never find an officer when you want one and so Green goes off to find someone to eject Kolchak. And meanwhile, Kolchak sneaks off and he goes back into the pathology lab. Yep. 
So Nurse Eisen is there doing some science, and there's a mm-hmm. bunch of other people in there too, because apparently there was another death in the orthopedic ward, which was Claudia Grenhoff, which we just saw. And all the patient's organs just seized up. And Eisen says she's scared of what's happening in the hospital. And Kolchak asks if she's scared enough to go along with him on an idea. Yeah, she's doing hardcore science because there's like tubes and beakers and all kinds of stuff. So (laughs) definitely science. Yeah. So then it's nighttime because nighttime is the right time. And we're outside a big and kind of fancy apartment block. And inside is Jim Elkhorn and he's working on a toaster. And someone knocks on his door. So he goes to open the door and it's Kolchek. And he's about to close the door on Kolchek. He's like, now you're going to bother me at my house. And Kolchek's like, hey, let me introduce you to Janice Eisen. And Janice is wearing like a red dress and everything. So Eichhorn's like, oh, yeah, come on in. Come on in. (laughs) So it turns out also that one of his neighbors from next door, Diana Lanier, is on the couch. And Jim is apparently fixing her toaster. So he introduces Kolchek and Janice to Diana. And he tells them how her raisin bread is getting stuck in the toaster. And she's like, no, it's my English muffins. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, English muffins. <laughs> and then he offers to make Kolchek and Janice a drink. And they're like, no, no, it's okay. And then Diana's like, well, you were going to get me a vodka on the rocks. And so he's like, oh, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get that for you. So Jim Alcorn is really not fixing that toaster. He's got other things on his mind. Well, now that Janice is here, he's like, I could trade up from this neighbor woman. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> so while Elkhorn is trying to make the drink, Kolchak is trying to ask him about Machiminato. And Janice notices that he has a master's degree in business administration on his wall and asks why he's still doing construction work. So Elkhorn tells Kolchak that Machiminato was a bear-like god, but he's not sure why they called him a bear god because he's invisible. And then he just walks over to Janice and he's like, well, see, that's all a matter of economics because working high steel pays 40 grand a year. And that degree was only 16 and a half. And it was mostly written off by public relations because having an Indian lead is a high visibility asset. So in comparison, in today's dollars, that would be $220,000 a year and a $90,000 MBA, which actually seems pretty cheap for an MBA. But yeah, but but we know the education costs have definitely exceeded inflation costs. So yeah, and also wage costs, because I'm sure most people in construction aren't making $220 a year. If they are good for them, I just doubt that's typical. Yeah. Well, but he's but he's top guy. So right. Oh, I know. I'm still. Yeah. I would guess that's probably not typical. But I don't know. I don't know because maybe it is. I know. It well, pays I imagine well. the high steel guys work get more pay because they're at the, always at the top of the building. Yeah, they're always, they're it's always a working the upper level. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then probably overtime that kind of stuff. Oh, that's too. true. Maybe they do. Oh. I don't know. I mean, I know construction yeah. pays super well. So yeah. So then Kolchak's like a bear god. So you knew there was sabotage going on in the building. And then Diana's like, Jim, my rocks are melting because he's just been like carrying around the glass full of ice because he hasn't made her drink yet because he's also been flirting with Janice and he's also trying to answer Kolchak's questions. So then he finally just like, he has Janice sit on the couch and then he sits between Janice and Diana and he's going to tell Kolchak all about Machiminato. So Janice says that Kolchak said he's a medicine man and Jim's like, no, actually I'm a shaman. It's a hereditary title. But he doesn't practice much anymore because they got really good health care on their last contract. So he doesn't need to. But And then they bring it back around to Macho Manedo. And Jim says that Macho Manedo lived on the land where the hospital is. And Macho Manedo lived there before the Illinois tribe and before the Iroquois and before Chicago became Chicago, which I guess is the native name for Chicago, maybe, or at least is what's being implied. And Jim is also very distracted by Janice's legs and by Janice, period. 
And he also says that Machimonedo was also referred to by some early French explorers as well. And to pacify Machimonedo, his ancestors used to drive buffalo through the area as a sacrifice. And then it would apparently eat them because they would just disappear. And then he makes some joke about how he doesn't know how he eats things if he's invisible. But yeah, yeah. he didn't have a stomach. Yeah, <laughs> didn't have a stomach. Yeah. Yeah. So in this episode, Machimonedo is referred to as he in the episode. I change it to it in our notes, mainly because one, we're going to find out it's like an ancient god. And so they're usually aren't gendered, at least in some religions they aren't. But also, I couldn't actually find out if Machimonedo was actually a real thing or not. I found like one reference and then another reference, but they like are in circular reference. So I can't corroborate it. So I'm not sure if it's really a thing or if it's just appropriation anyway. Or if it's like made up, like if it's appropriation or if it's made up. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't tell. There was, there was one thing listed about a tribe that it believes in it. And then I found something else that's basically the exact same wording. And so I'm like, okay, that person got it from this. And it's like from some ancestry site, like for doing, you know, genealogy. And that was oh, okay. the only thing, cause everything else I look for is either Kolchek, 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 or there's apparently a, um, a character in World of Warcraft called Machimonedo, but he's like a minotaur, but a buffalo. Huh, so, okay. Yeah, but anything so, else was pretty much all just Kolchak references, so it was hard to... Yeah, so it might be coming from somewhere, it's just hard to pinpoint where it came yeah. from. I mean, admittedly, I did like 10 minutes of research, because we're just doing a podcast episode, I'm not doing a research paper on Machimonedo, so, but yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you should be. <laughs> maybe I should be. Yeah. <laughs> So at this point, Diana gets mad because Jim is paying more attention to Janice. And so she grabs her toaster and she's going to leave. And Jim is like, but Diana, your muffin is still stuck in your toaster. And she's like, stuff the muffin. I'll just eat instant oatmeal. And she leaves. <laughs> Janice feels bad about that. And then Jim's like, don't worry. Oatmeal is very nutritious. <laughs> this whole scene is really funny. And Kolchik's like, well, so is cream farina. But we got to get back to matcha manado. And he tries to ask why, if it exists, why haven't we heard from it in so long? Why did it remain dormant? So it turns out the lake had shifted. And so the land Macho Manado used to live on was underwater until it had been reclaimed. And then that's where they built the hospital. So the water may have been what was keeping Macho Manado dormant because the water is cold. And at some prior point, energy had been mentioned. And Janice thinks that maybe since the patients all had their plasma congealed in their body and plasma is pure protein, maybe that's what Machimonedo is feasting on. And then Kolchak says there's no energy more pure than electricity, which is why all the deaths are related to electricity. Yeah, I don't know that I get the connection from energy to plasma to electricity. But I do give Janice kudos for her Scully vibe with the whole like plasma is pure protein comment because yeah not, I don't, yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't think so but I don't know yeah. it's about not blood. It's, yeah it's not I looked it up just to make sure <laughs> science so, science if you're gonna be doing science on an episode I'm gonna check you out make sure you're not just talking so so then the three of them end up back at the hospital. Kolchek and Janice and Jim Elkhorn and Jim is trying to talk Janice into going to have Chinese food with him sometime after work but then Kolchek is like enough of this so he like shuffles Janice off to go back to work in the hospital and like go back to your job you got to go by and then he takes Jim down to the basement and there are huge cracks in the floor now it's so like the, the concrete on the floor is all split the walls are all messed up and Jim is like what do you expect me to do 
and Kolchak is trying to talk him into doing whatever his ancestors would do to appease Machimineto. So Jim is like, do you understand the kind of strength it would take to split concrete like this? It's something too strong to be controlled by a little ceremony that I could do. And Kolchak's like, oh, it's better than nothing. Just like give it a try. So Jim starts to do a little bit of a ceremony. And then Kolchak whips out his camera to take a picture. And Jim is like, you're going to get a close up of my foot if you don't put that camera away. So Kolchak puts the camera away. And then Jim does a little bit of a chant. But then he gives up and he's frustrated. He's like, it's not going to work. Like, it didn't work for my ancestors. How is it going to work for me? So Kolchak keeps trying to talk him into doing it. And then they hear something. And then the building starts shaking. And then sparks start jumping up out of the cracks in the floor. And stuff starts coming down from the ceiling again. So they start to leave. And then... Jim like runs for the elevator, but Coltec stops him. He's like, don't touch that because electricity, right? So he might get electrocuted. Mm -hmm. And then they hear this big explosion and they go over the pathology lab and the doors are blown off. So they go in and everything's just all explosiony. Like they're sit on the walls and things are smoldering. And Coltec, of course, takes some photos. Click, 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 click. And there's two dead bodies on the floor. And there's also all these x-ray plates on the floor just scattered everywhere. So Kolchak has Jim help him, and they start collecting all the plates because Kolchak thinks that they may have captured some kind of egg energy signature on the photographic plate, maybe like a picture of Machimineto. So then a doctor and a nurse run in, and they go over and check one of the bodies, and Kolchak and Jim grab their stacks of x-ray plates, and they just run out, stealing the <laughs> x-ray plates, and just heading out of the hospital. And then after they leave, we pan over to the room, and behind a turned-over table, there's another body and apparently Janice is dead. I know. Janice went back to work and she's dead. Yep. Such a bummer. Such a bummer. Yeah. So then we're back at INS and it's still nighttime and Kolchak and Jim are trying to piece together the x-ray plate. So Kolchak's kind of like lining them up and then when they get a match, Jim tapes them together. And so some time passes and they basically got all of them done so they pick up this big massive x-ray plates and they hang it on a wire that's drawn across the ceiling in the offices and they step back and they see that all the x-ray sheets taped together form an image and it looks like a giant eye like the eye of a giant lovecraftian monster Ooh. yep and then it's commercial time yeah it's pretty creepy too like it's a creepy yeah. eye mm-hmm so still night and we see the outside of Jim Elkhorn's apartment building and inside Jim and Kolchak are going through books and looking at some Neanderthal drawings. And Jim says that this indicates Machimineto may have actually been there before man. And he pulls out a book where Machimineto was mentioned in 1673. And there was a sighting by father Bouvier in June. And Kolchak knows he didn't know Jim spoke French because he like reads this French diary that, you know, talks about this sighting of this thing in 1714 in July. And then there's a scroll that apparently the Iroquois used and that mentions Machimineto appearing in July and August. And Kolchak notes that it's always in the summer months when Machimineto is sighted. So they realize that he hibernates like a bear because he's a bear god. And when the lake shifted and the water flowed over that land, all that cold water would have made it seem like winter. And so that's why it was dormant until they drained the lake to build the hospital. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for you. Sure. You're the French expert. Oh, sh- yeah. Did you understand when he was speaking French? Was he actually saying like French? Yeah, he was speaking real French. Yeah. So, it was like he, so he was like reading from that one book. Okay. Yeah. And it was all like real. I don't remember what he said, but yeah, it was all just real French. Okay. 
Yeah, because he says like that big old long stretch in French, and then Kolchak's like, "What did you just say?" And he's like, "Oh, there was a sighting in 1714." So yeah. I looked up this actor because I was trying to figure out if, because you know he looks like a white guy, but I don't want to be like, "Well, he's definitely some white dude." So mm-hmm. I was looking him up to see if he was a white dude, mm-hmm. and it turns out that he like I don't he did some work with the military or something, but like he actually speaks like five languages. Oh wow, including French. So, like, he's fluent in, like, I can't remember what the other ones were, but, yeah, he speaks fluent French. So, yeah, he was speaking real French. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing, I've seen him in lots. He's been in lots. I mean, you know, it's one of those things, again, like, in the 70s and 80s, like, he's in lots of stuff. Mm -hmm. The big thing that he is mentioned for is that he is in any which way but loose with Clint Eastwood. He, like, has, like, a bare-knuckle fight with Clint Eastwood. So. Okay. Yeah. So, Kolchak wonders how they can make it cold again. And Jim says Green's company has a refrigeration division. They should be able to take care of that since he's the one who built the hospital. So they get a meeting with Green and Green is like, this is why you called me here? You want me to evacuate the hospital and turn it into a refrigerator because of some absurd old legend? And Dr. Carey and Detective Webster are also in the room. And Jim and Kolchak talk about how Machiminato kind of breathes in energy and then it blows it back out. And that's what's causing all the problems. So breathing in steals the energy and breathing it back out supercharges the equipment and is killing people. And Green thinks that's completely ludicrous. And Webster thinks Kolchak is a nut. But Dr. Carey is actually kind of into it, I guess, because he understands the respiratory system. And I I don't know. But Green has also been giving off like bad guy vibes and like, you know, he's got... He's an official and he's in charge of this thing. And he, he's the mayor from Jaws. You know, he doesn't want to shut down the beach. Yeah. And meanwhile, Carrie takes a phone call. And then when he gets off the phone, he says they need to go to the basement immediately. So they all get up and head to the basement. And when they get out of the elevator, there are some funky noises and this rattling going on. Yeah. And then one of the lab technician runs over and she's like, there's something in there. There's some kind of monster in that room. And she's pointing towards the cobalt room. And the walls around the door are like starting to crack because Machimonedo is in there and he's probably eating all the radioactive material and sucking in all that energy. So they're like, is he trapped in there? It looks like he's trying to get out. And the door is starting to like shake off the wall. And Kolchik is like, no, it went in there and it's feeding off the cobalt and it's expanding, growing larger and larger, it's expanding past the capacity of the room. And Carrie's like, well, we got to get it out of there. So like goes to run to the door and they're like, what are you crazy? It'll probably kill you. Plus it's like, we're thinking it's also probably like radioactive. You can't just go in there. <laughs> yeah, so they're trying to hold him back. And, but before he can break free and go, door just goes boom and like blows off the wall. So that apparently proved everything that needed to be proved, and they have decided to evacuate the hospital. And so Green gives a press release to his lawyer. He's talking on the phone, and he's talking about how the hospital is going to be evacuated and, like, you know, just say this and this and this kind of thing so we don't have to explain things. He's like, oh, but make sure this only gets released to the major news sources, which, of course, means (laughs) the INS is going to get cut out. So... (laughs) You know, it had been the next day when Green is doing the press release stuff. And then Coltech shows up at Jim's apartment and he's got the newspaper and he's upset. He's reading the paper and he's like, all the other news services are bypassing the INS. And he reads the paper and it talks about how they're evacuating the hospital temporarily do some corrective construction because there were some faults that were discovered. And he's like, but they know it's Machiminato, but they're not admitting it. And they're not even trying to solve the problem. 
And Jim is in his robe, and it looks like he just kind of woke up. He's kind of yawning. And honestly, he might have, like, a woman there. We don't know. But Kolchak's like, we get dressed. We got to go take care of this. And Jim is like, listen, thousands of years ago when Buffalo roamed the land, my people took care of this. But now I think it's a police problem. And so he tries to shuffle Kolchak out the door. But Kolchak's like, what do you mean a police problem? It's our problem, and we can fix it. And then Jim is like, what do you mean we, white man? And he slams the door on him. <laughs> And so Jim apparently has gotten in touch with his tribal roots and doesn't want anything else to do with this. So he is done yep. with Kolchak. Yep. Yep. So then Kolchak's at the INS and he's in the darkroom area and he's pulling out some fancy looking cameras and he's like checking the equipment, getting it prepped. And Vincenzo comes in and he asks what Carl thinks he's going to do with two of their most expensive cameras. And Kolchak's like, I'm going to hawk them. And then he says, what do you think I'm going to do? You know, I'm going to take photos. If you ask a stupid question, you're going to get a stupid answer. And he says that there have been trucks moving in and out of the hospital all day with heavy crates, and he wants to find out what's going on. And Vincenzo says in the last year, Kolchak has ruined two cameras and an electric pencil sharpener. And Vincenzo let him borrow his 8 millimeter projector, and when it came back, it had guacamole in the gears, and it cost him 20 bucks to fix. And Kolchak's like, I didn't ruin the pencil sharpener. Miss Emily kept putting ballpoint pens in it. And then Kolchak says he's going to load one camera with infrared film and the other with ultraviolet film. And he's going to get a picture of something that no one else believes exists. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So then Vincenzo's like, that's special film and processing, and it's going to be expensive. And then he's like, wait, what do you mean you're going to get a picture of something no one else believes in? And he's like, what are you talking about? And Kolchak's like, Machu Manito, an ancient Indian. Mm. And then he realizes what he's saying. And Vincenzo's like, Machu Hoodoo? And Kolchak's like, oh, he, he's, a, he's a Cuban bantamweight fighter, and he's going to get some great photos of him. You need to put some bets on him. And he hands Vincenzo a voucher, and he heads up the door, and turns the voucher is for the film. And then Vincenzo yells after him because the voucher is for 40 bucks. So Kolchak spent 40 bucks on film. So the $20 to fix the projector in 2021 dollars would have been about $108. Oh, wow. And the $40 for the film would have been about $217 just because rounding differences, right? Because, I mean, obviously right. it would just be double, but it's like it's like 108.30 something and then like 216.60 something. So that's a lot of money for that film. Is quite a bit of money. But it's yeah. special film, you know. It's special <laughs> film. And then, and then there's going to be the processing on top of it. Woo. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. pricey. Yeah. So, and, and who knows how much those cameras cost? Oh, man. Too much to yeah. let Kolchak run off with them, honestly. Yeah, I'm but too bad. He ran off with both of them. So, <laughs> so speaking yeah. of Kolchak, he shows up at the hospital and he's got a hard hat on. And he's in one of the upper basement floors because all the workmen are there and they're taking off some of the vents and they're running like these huge like metal like hoses into the vents. And the hoses say Nitro Tech Chemical Corp and Danger Liquid Gas. And then over by like a front desk area, Green and Dr. Carey are talking and Carey wants to go down there to see what's going to happen. And Green is like, are you crazy? You'll be killed once the liquid nitrogen starts to go to the floor. And plus, we need to get out of here. Then Webster shows up and says that the hospital is completely evacuated, except for a few of their men still down below getting everything ready. So you would yeah. think Dr. Carey would know how liquid nitrogen works and wouldn't want to be down there. But yeah, you would think so. I mean, I get the curiosity, but. Yeah. But yeah. meanwhile, Kolchak has slipped into the elevator and he is now on lower level three. 
and we see that the metallic codes are sticking out from the vent and they're all snaking around on the floor down in the basement. And then we cut back to the upper floor and the police have checked everything and they say the building is completely empty. And so everybody leaves and they're going to start pumping the basement full of liquid nitrogen. But Kolchak is down there. No, no. And you think like Kolchak, he, he knows what they're doing. I don't know. Anyway. Kolchak doesn't know what liquid nitrogen is. Maybe. So he follows all the cracks in the concrete and it leads towards one end of the hallway and he's getting these cameras ready. And he kneels down and he's taking some photos near the cracks. And while he's taking photos of the entrance, the liquid nitrogen starts pumping out of the pipes. And then sparks start coming out of the crack in the floor. So Kolchak takes a few more photos and then he grabs a fire extinguisher and he starts spraying it on the cracks as they spark. But they like keep sparking back up. So he keeps spraying different parts of it. And meanwhile, the liquid nitrogen vapor starts like coming in and it starts really low and Kolchak's still messing with the fire extinguisher. And it seems like Machimoto has been subdued. But then Kolchak realizes he's trapped. And the liquid nitrogen is starting to get kind of high, too. So there's, like, a lot of it, and it's starting to rise. So he tries to run away, but he gets to the hallway. And, like, I think he gets stuck, or maybe his shoe gets frozen to the ground. And he can't move, and he falls to the ground. And, like, the liquid nitrogen vapor just kind of engulfs him. And he's left mm. on the ground. No, and then we cut to a commercial, and when we go to commercial, it's usually because people die. Uh oh, uh oh. I mean, I think he'll be okay. He is the titular character of the show. Well, so we come back from commercial. Oh, and Kolchak, he wakes up. He's in bed, and his vision is super blurry. And there's this big hulking shadow in the room, and he's like, "Ah, oh, get away, get away!" But then it turns out like his vision clears, and it's just Vincenzo standing in front of the window. And he tells Kolchak that he's in the hospital. And when he says that, Kolchak's like, ah, get me out of here. But it turns out he's not at Lakefront Hospital. He's at St. Vincent's. Good old St. Vincenzo. So Kolchak realizes he's like, oh, and he's like touching his face. And he realizes he can't really feel anything. And Tony tells him he had frostbite in his hands and feet. But they didn't have to amputate. And he'll be fine. He just needs to rest. And he'll be out of the hospital before I know it. So <laughs> a little dig there. But as he goes to leave, he's like, oh, wait, here. And he reaches into his jacket pocket, and it turns out the film in one of the cameras was ruined by the cold. But some of the other pictures did come out, and he gives him the Carl, and Carl looks at him, and he's like, oh, yep, I'll never forget that. And then Vincenzo leaves, and Carl lays the photos down on his bed, and we see that it's the same Lovecraftian eyeball that we saw in the x-rays, just more spooky looking, because it's kind of more clear looking and then Kolchak grabs his legal pad that he had in the beginning, and he's writing, and we get his voice over. Lakefront Hospital won't be up much longer. It's coming down to make room for a new marina, one with deep channels of icy lake water. Dr. Ralph Carey has gone back to private practice from the safety and comfort of an office in his own home, I hear. Walter Green, construction worker Wonderkin, has another project going for him. His company is building the new Lakefront Marina. Some people can make a profit on anything. And then we get the end credit sequence. Yep. So it seems like Kolchak's probably okay. Yeah, he didn't like get bad frostbite and like everything turned black and had to be chopped off or nothing. So that's good. Right. Yeah. No, he'll be all right. Yeah. Liquid nitrogen. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Been around for a while. It was really popular in the 90s, but here we are, 1974. <laughs> boom. Kolchak's bringing in the liquid nitrogen. Yep. He's got the enhance enhance going on. He's got the liquid nitrogen. He's, he's doing it all. Yes, he doing is. It all.
Yeah. Speaking of doing it all, Diana Lanier is played by an actress named Joyce Jilson. Mm-hmm. And did just a little check on her. So I was checking out who people were. So it turns out that she didn't really have a big acting career, but she did have a big astrology career. Hmm. She ended up being the studio astrologer for like 20th Century Fox. And she advised George Lucas of when Star Wars should have been released. She apparently picked the date of May 25th, 1977. She had a syndicated column in the Los Angeles Times about astrology. Oh, wow. She apparently is the one who told Ronald Reagan to pick George Bush for his running mate. She's not the astrologer that you hear about a lot when you hear about the Reagans in astrology. That is actually Joan Quigley. But apparently they had multiple astrologers they talked to. I guess Joan Quigley was like Nancy Reagan's astrologer. And so she got really high end. But apparently they talked to a lot of astrologers in the Reagan White House. And one of them was Jilson. And then she also wrote several books. The titles of which are very interesting. One of them is Real Women Don't Pump Gas, A Guide to All That Is Definitely Feminine. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I love that. That's great. The Fine Art of Flirting. She mm-hmm. also wrote Joyce Jilson's Life Signs and Joyce Jilson's 1982 Astrological Forecasts for All Signs. She also wrote two other books, Astrology for Cats and Astrology for Dogs. Huh. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm into those more than the whole women shouldn't <laughs> pump gas thing. <sighs> women don't pump gas. Oh, I'm sorry. Real don't women pump don't pump gas. Well, only, I mean, fake, no one, only fake women. Only fake women pump gas. No one in your state pumps gas, right? You guys have to have somebody do it for um, you? Well, they kind of released that a little bit with the COVID stuff. I think they actually mm. were starting to relinquish that a little bit in rural areas in Oregon. If you have a motorcycle, you've always been allowed to pump your own gas. Oh, like okay. A scooter. So, but yeah, Oregon is one of those places where, yeah. Yeah, every time I get gas in Oregon, it freaks me out because I'm just like so used to getting out and pumping. And I've actually had like, Mm -hmm. I think the first time I was driving through Oregon, I didn't even realize that was a thing. And I started to get out to pump my gas and someone was just like, no, like waving their hands. Yeah, they'll come running running out out and be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm from California. Like I just pump my own gas. Yeah, I grew up pumping my own gas. What are you doing? Yeah. Yep. But yeah, Joyce Jilson. Astrologer to studios and the White House, and apparently a lot of people do her books and a syndicated column. Huh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. I probably would have chose her over Janice, honestly. Yeah, I mean, either way, I think it's it's funny because the first time Kolchak hears him talking, he's like obviously talking to a woman and like mentioning like she had left some stuff behind and he's like, I know that trick. That's your trick to get back in or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, clearly he's like a ladies man. Yeah. And then like, he's entertaining one woman while he fixes her toaster and gets her a drink. And then this other woman comes in. He's like, Nope, this chick's hotter. I'm just going <laughs> to pay attention yeah. to her. And like, I thought like Diana storming out was great. Cause like I would too, like this guy's clearly suddenly interested in someone else and whatever. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. As far as like action and monsters go, not the best episode. No. I mean the monster is clear. We get its motivations. We know what's happening. It it's this episode has a lot of like really funny jokes. 
mm-hmm. and it has some interesting it has some funny scenes but yeah it's not really like a fight the monster kind of thing it's just like everything's revolving around that and yeah then, there's no there's no physical monster and yeah. then it like the end is very like boom it's just like done yeah i mean the end of the cold check episodes usually ramp up really fast and there's a lot of action this one just doesn't it, like ramps up really fast but then there's actually not a lot of action so yeah no it's just a lot of like solve the mystery of what's happening although you know those cracks are really bad too and it's funny because they're just like plaster over them Mm-hmm. and like these are settling cracks and it's like no no nope, just just putting a band-aid over it man it's a hospital you just put a band-aid over it that's all you gotta do yep. dun, dun, dun. so all that said what, what would you rate this episode um hmm. i think like a f- hmm. i'm just debating between four and five because it's just like okay i mean it's funny and it's it's got some interesting scenes. Yeah, I go with the five. Okay, so you gave Devil's Platform a five, and then you gave Bad Medicine a four. So this yeah. is m- better than Bad Medicine. Yes. Okay. So yeah, it was because this episode was like fine. It was entertaining. Like the whole time I watched it, I was entertained. Like it just was, you know. Okay. Kind of not super exciting, and then you know, there's the the racism. And- yeah <laughs> appropriation yeah. which you know it happens it's not yeah it happens. i mean i don't know if there's actual racism but yeah just like well, it's 19, yeah. 1970s but yeah just not well the whole you know indian which i know was the term that they used and like you know it's it, it happens yeah i mean it's like you know i mean that's the thing like you know 40 years from now are people gonna you know like even the, i think even like the term native american isn't really it's mostly indigenous now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of just one of those things that, like, you try your best. I mean, I'm not, I don't think they were trying to be racist, but oh, no. I don't know if they were actually maybe trying their best to be culturally sensitive either. So, no, probably not. Yeah. It was just like, that's what it was. Right. So, yeah. I, I think you, I was actually thinking about going with a four. Because I was thinking, like, I looked back at my ratings and, like, I gave Bad Medicine a five and I gave Zombie a five. But those also had action. But then hearing you talk about it, I got to think about it. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? You're right. There was a lot of, like, good, like, there was a lot of humor in this one. I mean, Kolchak always has, like, a little bit of humor. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things that, like, Darren McGavin brought to the character just in general. And so, and just the writing and that kind of stuff. And apparently also David Chase was really big in bringing and he's like the story editor for like the entire series mm-hmm. and darren mcgavin encouraged him to like bring comedy into the series too so i think the two of them are probably responsible for a lot of the comedy that we get in the series so mm-hmm. i'm gonna go with a five too nice yeah so. yeah it was good i also like just the whole <laughs> idea that kolchek is just handing off his articles to emily and like yeah well, at least they're somehow getting written because usually they just don't get written because he's doing something else. That's true. So, That's true. Yeah. It just It's funny. Yeah. It is good. This episode is normally seen to be one of the weaker, if not the weakest yeah. of the series. So I think it's because, like, you know, you don't actually get... I mean, Kolchak is a Monster of the Week show. And this you, there's not really a monster. Like, there's a picture of an eyeball, but there's not really a monster. Right. So, you don't get to see the monster, yeah. fight the monster. It's just they solve the problem and Kolchek is in the hospital. Yeah. I imagine if this was a show that was out now, 
or maybe even like maybe 10 years ago. I don't, I don't know, maybe more than 10 years ago, they might've tried to do it, but it, it would have been awful. I could see them doing like some CGI stuff now that way you would actually kind of get like a monster, you know, like an ethereal kind of like, and you would see the eyeball kind of like in the room or something like that kind of thing, or, or some sort of like, you know, Cthulhu looking kind of creature or a bear God or something. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, is that supposed to be a giant bear eyeball? I don't know. It looks, it looks very Lovecraftian to me the way it's got like all the, stuff around it and that kind of thing but yeah yeah so but it was 1974 they were like yeah <laughs> we can't do this so we're just gonna get the, this is what you're gonna get so and honestly that's probably the better choice than to yeah, try and do something it, that doesn't work so yeah yeah all right well the next episode so this one is generally considered to be the weaker or possibly weakest of the episodes the next one a lot of people think is one of the better if not the best of the series oh okay cool yeah that'll be interesting so we will find out yay yay (laughs) and we are technically halfway done this was episode 10 the next one's episode 11 sadly there's only 20 episodes so wow yeah we're halfway through the season or halfway through the series yeah yeah I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And the truth is what we make of it by the Agrarians. Our premium feed is where you can find all of our X-Files adjacent bonus episodes covering television and films that are, you guessed it, X-Files adjacent. If you like these bonus episodes, tell a friend about our Patreon page. We'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode 11 of Cole Check the Night Stalker, Horror in the Heights. And try to figure out if the, the truth, truth is, is still out there. The truth is what we make of it. there must have been trucks moving in and out of the hospital all day with oh so then he says there must have been trucks moving in and out of the hospital no 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 must have been oh okay there have been okay i don't know where you're getting must have been i don't know (laughs) i'm I'm seeing a word that's not there i'm like what i'm like what did i type no i just i'm reading words that don't exist i don't know why